Welcome to TalkNorth.com. Thanks to our longtime producer, Brandon Morton. Please download before you listen. If you'd like to advertise with us, you can reach us at TalkNorthPodcast at gmail.com. And please follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. Thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show, Steve. It should be a good one. Thanks for having me, Steven. Double X, anytime, man. Christopher Mando Russo here. You are listening to Steven Strom on TalkNorth.com. Always passionate, always fiery. You're listening to the Strom Sports Show. Take it away, Steven. And I hope everybody had an awesome, awesome holiday season. Whatever you celebrated, Merry Christmas to you. Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate, hope you did it the right way with your friends and family. Thank you for making for making me part of your morning, afternoon, or night. This is the Strom Sports Show, episode 77. Steven Strom here. Before we get started here, I got to give a nice little birthday shout out to my dad, my best friend, and that is Steve Strom out there. Happy birthday to the man, the myth, the legend. Quick little thing on my dad and I. I would not be here doing this without the guidance and the passion and everything that you sort of hear from me on a Sunday basis usually echoes what that man says as well because we are like two peas in a pod he is my best friend and I wish him nothing but the best for today for ever and ever and ever that's my guy we'll go celebrate a little bit later here but big shout out to my dad here happy birthday to him on this December 29th Sunday happy 30th dad uh, as we approach episode 77 here of the Strom Sports Show okay we've got Matthew Collar from Score North, he'll join me in just a bit here. But let's first get into this. You know, we talk about Giannis. We talk about Harden. We talk about LeBron, especially this year being. And we were reminded, once again, that Kawhi Leonard is the number one player in the world. That Christmas Day slate was a little disappointing in the beginning, right? You had the 76ers blow out the Bucks. You had the Warriors beat the Rockets. And then you had the Clippers and Lakers, which is what I was looking forward to. And I was looking forward to this for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm a big Clipper guy. I think the Clippers are the best team in the league. I've been saying it since the beginning. I'll take the Clippers in six games over the Lakers any time of the week. And also, it's another chance for Kawhi Leonard to remind us again that he is the best player on planet earth right now and he was on wednesday against the la lakers leonard was the best player on the floor in that 111 106 clippers win over the lakers christmas day big stage everyone's watching what does Kawhi leonard do he goes out there puts up 35 points 12 rebounds five of seven shooting from three 11 of 19 from the field and most importantly lebron james eight of eight from the free throw line also the Clippers came all the way back. Clippers were down 12 at halftime, which was the largest halftime deficit overcome to win on Christmas Day since the Dallas Mavericks did it back in 2013. So we talk about Giannis, we talk about Harden, we talk about, talk about LeBron. Well, what did they do on Christmas? And I understand people are going to say, oh, it's just one game, but it's not, though. It's not, because Harden, what does he do in the postseason? What has Giannis done in the postseason, Right. Let's take a look at the competition for the best player in the league right now on Christmas Day. Whether you like it or not, there's there's more juice to the games. It's nationally televised. Let's just take a look here about the three guys that everyone likes to crown as the best player in the world just because Kawhi doesn't play 82 games. Harden lost to an 8-24 Golden State Warrior team by 12. Giannis lost to a Philly team 
by 12, shot 8 of 27 from the field, 0 of 7 from 3, and he was a minus 18 in the plus-minus department. And LeBron James? Oh, how did he do? 9 for 24 from the field, 2 for 12 from 3. And the Lakers choked a 12-point lead at halftime. You know why Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the planet? He's under control. He's impossible to fluster. He's impossible to speed up if you're the opposition. And it's crazy because it doesn't look like he's going 100%. It looks like Kawhi's going 75% and everyone else is going 100 But Kawhi still gets where he wants to get to, still elevates when he wants to, and still gets a bucket on you whenever he wants to. He has a lethal mid-range jumper. Again, he doesn't care what you think, right? Because what NBA analytics say is that the mid-range jump shot is extinct. Oh, stupid. Shouldn't take it. Three's worth more than twos. And here's the biggest thing with Kawhi. Kawhi doesn't care what I think. He doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what any NBA analyst says about him sitting out for load management. He doesn't care about the the mid-range jump shot, the analytic department saying don't take it. Because Kawhi is the best player on the planet. You don't He doesn't change for anyone. You have to change for him. The spots that he operates from, elbow, mid-post, gives you a little one-two bump, turn right, shoulder fade. You beat him to the spot? Oh, he'll give you a little bump, rise right over you. Go watch that fourth quarter from Wednesday's Clipper-Laker game. Eye test, it's not even close. Kawhi Leonard is the best player on the planet. He mopped LeBron James. And not a lot of players can make LeBron look microscopic. Kawhi did that on Wednesday night. How about LeBron at the line? This is a little sequence I want to take you back to. LeBron at the line, 109-106. LeBron misses the second free throw. Kawhi boxes out, which in a lot of people's mind, oh, he just boxed out. No, no, no. Go look at that box out. This is what winning players do. You want a rebound? Give me Kawhi. You want to stop? Give me Kawhi. You need a bucket? Give me Kawhi. Kawhi boxes out, grabs a rebound. There's zero panic in his eye. He draws a double team, gets fouled, makes two at the line. Good night. I run LA. Clippers win. Kawhi doesn't miss a single free throw in the fourth quarter. And I think the scariest thing about Kawhi Leonard is A, he's not 100% yet. And B, he's only 28 years old. He's still going to get better. He's got a chance here to get four or five rings. And I'm dead serious when I say this, and it might scare people. But Kawhi Leonard's mental fortitude slash mental strength is in that MJ, Kobe Bryant category. Listen to what he has had to handle and has to go through throughout the NBA season, throughout his career. First one, load management, fans, NBA analysts ripping him. You can't sit out. What is this? You know, the old school guys would pay this many games. No one would ever sit out. Well, you know what? Kawhi played 60 games last year and won an NBA Finals MVP and an NBA Finals. You won out of San Antonio? Greg Popovich? Five championships? Tim Duncan? Oh, this guy's crazy. How can he want to leave one of the greatest dynasties in sports? Well, you know what? He left. And you know what he did? He went and won a championship with a team that couldn't get over the mental hurdle of LeBron James, that couldn't get over 
the Eastern Conference Finals. This is the guy that was guarding LeBron James at 21 years old in the 2014 NBA Finals. Oh, by the way, he won Finals MVP then too. How about the New Balance commercial? Kawhi snatching the crown. This is Kawhi City. Kawhi Town. Kawhi knows it. He knows. He doesn't need anyone else's approval. He doesn't care what any outsider says. And that's a rarity. And I think that's why people have a hard time coming to terms that this guy is the best player in the NBA? This guy's supposed to care what people think. Durant. Durant seeks approval. Durant has burner accounts. Durant wants... He went to Golden State, won two finals, expected everyone to say, hey, now, now I'm the best. No one said it. People still thought LeBron was the best. But KD always seeks that approval. LeBron James. He's seeking... He is seeking either verification or some type of self-esteem issue that he wants everyone to say that He's the best, right? He, LeBron posts on Instagram after he beats OKC again by 20. Wash King. Kawhi doesn't care about that. He doesn't have social media. He doesn't talk to anyone like Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or goes on these talk shows. And people don't like that. But that's him. And that's what makes him so great is that he doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what the NBA analytics say about mid-range jump shots. He knows he's the best player on the planet. He made that clear in the finals last year. He made it clear in the New Balance commercial. And he made it clear on Wednesday, on Christmas Day, that I run LA. I am the best player in the NBA. People want to come play with me. People want to try to change my game. Uh -uh. You adapt to me. He gets to his spots when he wants to. He defends at an, uh, an insanely high level. He makes every big shot. Free throw line, he's money. And all this crap about, oh, Kawhi Leonard, can he get along? How does he not get along with the Spurs? Well, you know what? What are the Spurs doing? What's Kawhi doing right now? That's the biggest answer. Matthew Collar? The host of Purple Daily on Score North. We'll talk about the Monday night loss against the Packers, a little bit about the game coming up against the Bears, and what the Vikings will do going forward in the playoffs. Stick with us here on the Strom Sports Show. And we're joined here by Matthew Collar, the host of Purple Daily on Score North. He joins us right now. Matthew, thanks for giving me some time today. How's everything? Uh, my holiday was great. I got a Sega Dreamcast, and I've been playing uh, <laughs> NFL 2K2 for the last. Wow. NFL 2K2, and how is that? I, I've never that that is way uh, before my time. How is NFL 2K2? How are the graphics in that? Yeah, it's quite the throwback, but a revolutionary <laughs> game, actually. I mean, that's why I wanted it because it's it's one of those games that sort of changed everything for how football games were made after that, and it's uh -huh. actually graphically really excellent. Uh, I think you'd be surprised. All right, well, maybe i got to check that out. Birthday's coming up January 24th. Maybe 2K2 Madden is maybe the way to go here. Uh, talk to mom. All right, Vikings lose 23-10 Monday night versus the Packers. Vikings go to 10-5. and They're locked into that sixth seed. Let's just talk about the game on Monday night. It, it, the Vikes came out flat, and it, and it hadn't happened in a long time, so I was kind of surprised by it. I have a little bit of a theory. Do you think that 
since the LA Rams lost to San Francisco, did that play a role basically knowing that the Vikings had a playoff spot clinched? Maybe they didn't have the same mentality that they would have if it was kind of this we have to win to get in type of game? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, you're talking about an incredible atmosphere at U.S. Bank Stadium, the Packers, who you always want to beat, and the pretty important potential chance of getting up to the number five seed that was on the line. I mean, you think about the potential benefits of getting to the number five seed. If they had won, they would have had it. Uh, that would have set them up to play either the Philadelphia Eagles or Dallas Cowboys, and it right. looks more like it's going to be uh, an Eagles team that has even Zach Ertz hurt. All their wide receivers are injured. Ronald Darby just went on injured reserve. And, and it's a Philadelphia team that, in the Kirk Cousins era, the Vikings have owned both times uh, and, and won pretty easily in both of those games. I, that would have been the most ideal situation. So I don't think there was any sort of let the foot off the gas. I think it was the Green Bay Packers having one defensive player who dominated the entire game and the Vikings' weaknesses that have been there all year getting exposed. And I was a little surprised, but not super, super shocked. I mean, if you look at the Vikings' offensive numbers past October, they are much more of a middle-of-the-pack team than they are a, a top team. That those great games, those four straight games in October where they went over 400 yards and once over 500 yards, and yep. Cousins put up all those crazy numbers, I think that they skew the numbers a little bit from what this offense has been recently, which is much less effective than that. And then with a Packers defense that has star players, they took advantage fully of some of those weaknesses, especially in the interior of the offensive line. And we know this, that when you get in Kirk Cousins' face, uh, that he's going to have a rough night. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and I want to talk about offensively. I agree with everything you just said. Offensively, look, the absence of Dalvin Cook, it was felt. It always is going to be felt. But this game sort of reminded me of the Chicago game earlier in the year where the offensive line just could not, I mean, they could not protect Cousins for more than two seconds at the most. What do you think some of the reasons why the offense struggled so bad on Monday night? Just because, like, the offensive line has played pretty decent. Um, what, what, what happened on Monday night? Well, I think it always is starts with the quarterback and whether his, uh, I guess mentality is in the right place. If that makes sense that, you know, cousins came out at soldier field in that game. You mentioned a week four and a week two against green Bay and right from the very start, even without pressure looked pretty shaky. Right, uh, And he starts the game on Monday night by overthrowing C.J. Ham, which wasn't necessarily the wrong decision. Ham was open in the flat, but he just heaved it over him. And when Cousins is rushing things and things are clearly moving fast around him, which seems to happen sometimes under the brightest lights, I think everybody knows it right away. Every fan who's watching that game, I got a bunch of tweets from people immediately when he overthrew Ham of people saying, oh, no, this is bad, this is going to be a problem. And I don't know what the solution to that is. Of course the offensive line did not block very well. Of course the running game was not the same with Delvin Cook. And even the checkdown game has been huge for Kirk Cousins. Yes. He, averages, he averages eight yards a pass attempt when throwing behind the line of scrimmage this year, and that's really a testament to how dominant Delvin Cook has been. And, and with, the, with the safety blankets not there, without good protection, uh, with the Packers taking away bootlegs and rollouts to get him outside the pocket, he was forced to just be a playmaker, and that's not something Kirk Cousins is. I, I think if you're talking about someone like Deshaun Watson playing or uh, Patrick Mahomes playing in that same game, those guys can run. Those guys can 
you know, find ways to dodge tacklers and make plays, and that's just not what Kirk Cousins is. So they really better hope that when it comes to the playoffs, they don't match up with a team that can get after it in the middle as well as the Green Bay Packers can. We're here with Matthew Collar, the host of Score North. Um, all right, so you're you are a, a believer in this narrative that Cousins just plays completely different in prime time. Like you're one of those guys that think that as soon as the bright lights kind of get under him, especially we're, we're really just talking about prime time because of the Monday Night record, because of the prime time record. You are in the belief that it, it is an actual thing. It's not just some stat that people want to hammer away. Because if you look at his touchdown to interception ratio on prime time, it's pretty good, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's classic Kirk Cousins to have good traditional stats no matter what. I mean, he always has as, as a starter. But, you know, I think when you have a, a sample size this big, you start to question it. Even the games that we gave him credit for uh, on uh, national TV, and we talked about how he played okay against the Seattle Seahawks. Well, he still had the ball at the end of the game and ended up losing. Um, he played really well on national TV against the Los Angeles Rams last year. Had the ball at the end of the game, end up losing. I mean, yeah. you know, it is a trend that has a sample size that is starting to grow to the point where you have to acknowledge it. Uh, 0-9 on Monday Night Football is really incredible. The fact that you have to win your next nine games to even be 500 kind of says something. And you know, what it looks like to me is that he just gets over-anxious when he knows that there's a lot on the line and that everybody is looking at him and resting on him to try and win a game. And you know, the other night, a lot of things were handed to him that would have been to his advantage. You, know, you yep. get the ball right away at the, what, 10-yard line is how you start the game and you can't come away with a touchdown. And, and then two other times you get the ball, um, one of them in your territory off of turnovers, and you come away with a total grand total of 10 points. And there's just there's just an anxiety that goes along with I think you've been watching him. So fans who watch him in these big games, you can feel it, the anxiousness in the pocket and how rarely he's throwing off of a good platform. You see him throwing off his back foot a lot and, and not getting right to his depths and, and also just being kind of nervous to make a play, to take off and run and things like that. So it's not impossible from the games that I've seen for him to play well on Sunday night football or Thursday night football or Monday night football. But I think it speaks to also how he just plays against teams that are good. Because usually if you're on that stage, you're playing against teams that are good. Of course he put up 400 yards on Washington. They're terrible. And there was no nerves for that. Playing against the Packers, that's a division game against a great team. There are nerves for that. And that's what you worry about in the playoffs is that, you know, that he would come out and feel the same sort of pressure to prove everyone wrong and, and have that anxiousness about him and have one of those same performances almost no matter who it's against. And you know, like early on, you could totally see it with Kirk if he's really riled up. Like you saw it against the Chicago, right? He 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 can't get his feet set. He's overthrow. Like he the adrenaline just seems so high with him. He can't control it. And we, and all Viking fans totally see it. And you sort of saw it on Monday night. It's like. Green Bay gives you a golden opportunity, and the great teams at home score seven on both. I mean, three turnovers, and you're only up by one at halftime? That's pretty telling. I mean, that's when you know you're kind of where, where you stand in terms of probability of winning this game because Green Bay, they weathered the storm. The defense played well enough. Uh, one more thing on the offense. Adam Thielen, Matt, really scaring me right now. You know, he, dro- he drops a ball that he makes 
nine out of ten times. Now the regular wide receiver doesn't make that catch, and you know what I'm talking about. It was like a fly route, and and Adam had to die for it, but he still makes that catch. Three catches and 27 yards last two games. Are you worried about this guy's health? I, well, I would say that I, I would be concerned uh, about one particular area of the offense pertaining to Thielen would be feeling like now that he hasn't had any catches here and he's probably not going to play Week 17, or if he does play Week 17, it won't be much, um, that just integrating him back into the offense has been kind of difficult. And it's as weird as it sounds, I mean, they were really excellent at working the ball around to a lot of different places when Thielen wasn't there. So it was Stephon Diggs is the deep guy, but Irv Smith underneath, Kyle Rudolph in the red zone, you know, B.C. Johnson only when you have to, but B.C.'s going to make the catch, and then Delvin Cook out of the backfield. And with Thielen back, I'm not sure if they've tried to game plan a lot of throws his way and then they haven't gotten to them or he hasn't been open uh, or, or Cousins has been hesitant to throw it there. But it's been much less of a an effort where they distribute the ball all over the place. And, and that was always the concern with Thielen coming back when you were so excellent without him. Like, okay, now you're adding him back and you seem like, oh, oh this, this, he'll just come back in and he'll just, you know, go for 100 yards and they'll be 100 yards better than they were before. But that's not really how real football works. That's how my second dream test 2K2 game works. Uh, and, and so that would be the case, part of the case to play the starters in week 17. They're not going to, but that would be your maybe lone argument would be, hey, why don't we see if we can get this offense, uh, you know, feeling a little more confident about where Adam Thielen stands in it. And then there's just the fact that you can't miss that much time and come back and expect to have the same burst that you have. Every player I've ever seen that misses time, Everson Griffin last year, same sort of thing, missed five or six weeks, came back, just did not have that same explosiveness. I mean, these guys do so much to stay at an unbelievably high level that if you're injured and you're out for that long with an injury that pertains to your legs, it's it's just extremely, extremely hard. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to need the good version of Adam Thielen in the playoffs, but they're also going to – have to understand that if they throw to him two times in a game like they would if it was B.C. Johnson, you know, that can be a good thing if they're distributing the ball over the field. We're here with Matthew Collar, the host of Purple Daily on Score North. Now, that was my next question for you. Do you play the starters? Because I really tried to went back and forth with this. Kendricks is hurt right now. He's having his best season of his career. Dalvin Cook, you want him at 100%. You saw the offense looked without him. And just the fact with with Chicago's defense, it just doesn't seem like a fair recipe uh, for success on Sunday. I get the whole, let's put out the offense, let's get him get some reps off that horrible, horrible performance on Monday night. But what, do you, what are you looking at? If you're Mike Zimmer on Sunday, are you playing your starters? Well, I, I think that he won't play his starters. I would be very surprised if he does, uh, because then you can treat it like having an extra bye week. And that's nice for you um, to play Sean Mannion and Mike Boone and all those guys who aren't going to be difference makers in the playoffs that everybody else can just have a week off and start preparing for whoever they're going to play. Uh, the only thing I, I would say, though, is the, the argument for playing your starters would be it was so bad against Green Bay that you want to resolve some of those problems. And the Bears are actually a good team to do it against because they play a similar defense. It's the, you know, the base is the 3-4, and they use a lot of different fronts, and they have an edge rusher, Khalil Mack, who's very similar to the Darius Smith and how dominant he is. And you know that might give you an opportunity, just even if it was one or two drives, 
to feel like, okay, we moved the ball against that offense. That's what we need to do. We're back, and, and we can do that um, because the, the record against good defenses, the record against good teams it has been so poor that you would love to see them get a little confidence by putting up some points at home against the Chicago Bears. Now, of course, the other side of that is what if Khalil Mack murders Kirk Cousins? And, you know, that, <laughs> that, 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 it right could there happen. Alone, yeah, it definitely could happen. And that right there alone would probably be a good enough case to say, all right, yeah, you can't really play him. I, I think there is an argument for it, um, to stay sharp and stay just rolling along. I mean, the Vikings in week 17 of 2017 had to play uh, their starters, excuse me, in that, in that game. And, you know, they went on to win the next playoff game against the New Orleans Saints. So, you know, it happens all the time that teams play their starters all the way through. And I think the Patriots have done it a lot in the past where they've continued to play their starters in Week 17. And everybody's been fine for the most part. So, uh, you know, the, the risk of it is probably overstated. I, I don't think Kirk Cousins has missed a start since his entire career as a starter, which began in 2015. But, you know, it could backfire for sure, and, and that possibility uh, is probably enough for Mike Zimmer to say, you know what, let's just get Sean Mannion to work. Last one here. We're here with Matt Collar, the host of Purple Daily on Score North. Right now I think the Vikings are locked in to play the Saints as of right now. That obviously can change. Packers lose to Detroit, and New Orleans wins this week. I think that can flip-flop. But for right now, they're going to New Orleans. Give me three things. Give me three things. The three things Matt Collar must see to have the Vikings make some sort of a playoff run? Well, what I must see is Seattle win on Sunday night. Uh, because if Seattle wins on Sunday night, then uh, as long as the Packers take care of the Lions, the Vikings are going to Seattle. And the Vikings can absolutely oh, win wow. Seattle. I, I would pick them 100 times out of 100 in that game. With Seattle being beat up, uh, it, you know, they, they've, they're missing a bunch of starters. They're missing both of their running backs that ran over the Vikings. You know, their left tackle is having surgery. They're missing defensive players, or, or the defensive players are playing banged up. And Seattle goes into this game on Sunday night with a plus twelve point differential, which is worse than the Rams. So wow. they're, they're not a they're not a good team. I think they're twenty first in points allowed on defense. That is a team that the Vikings could absolutely beat in round one of the playoffs and get that uh, Kirk Cousins can't win narrative changed a, a little bit. And I think that actually having already played there this year, that Cousins might be a little more confident against them. And, you know, and of course they can game plan for a defense that they've already seen. If the San Francisco 49ers win, then they're going to New Orleans. And that one's going to be really, really tough for me to pick the Vikings. New Orleans is playing great football at this point. Drew Brees is as good as he's ever played. And, and so that's one thing is just who you end up playing. Now, regardless of that, uh, the offense has to perform similarly to how it did in October. They cannot get game-planned like Green Bay did. They kept Kirk Cousins in the pocket. If you force him to stay in the pocket and drop straight back without play action or without bootlegs and things like that, he's not going to beat you, more likely than not. And then the other thing is, Galvin Cook better be healthy, better be really healthy. Mm. Um, it's quite clear that this is a different team without Delvin Cook, and the biggest area for me isn't just the fact that he can bust off a 75-yard run. It's that you can throw a zero-yard pass to him, and he turns it into 20. So if Cousins is anxious, if he's worked up, you know, he's, he's got that anxiety going for a big game, well, what's the best way to get rid of that? Throw a little screen pass to Delvin Cook and have him run it for 30 yards. 
and, and then that gets the offense moving. You say a lot of times a quarterback's best friend is a tight end. Kirk Cousins' best friend is dumping it off to Dalvin Cook. So da- uh, Matthew Collar, great. Yeah, Matthew Collar, great job today. I really appreciate it. Once again, follow him on Twitter. Great follow. Uh, does some great job with the articles. Also, as I mentioned before, the host of Purple Daily on Score North. Matt, if I don't talk to you, have a great new year, and we'll talk soon. All right, you as well. Thanks for having me. So we kind of got into the whole resting the starters thing with the Vikings. I think it's a clear, obvious decision. That's the next thing we'll get into here. Should the Vikings rest their starters? It's not even a question to me. I was saying it even after the Packer game before – Honestly, the game ended. I told, I looked over to my dad and I said, they shouldn't play Cousins. They shouldn't play Cook. They shouldn't play Kendricks. This is an obvious situation here for Zimmer and the Vikes. And once again, recording this on a Saturday night, they made the decision, obviously, Sunday. I'm assuming they're probably 95 to 99% leaning towards resting the starters. And that's the right decision. Let's just, let's, let's have a little checkbox here, right? Everyone, you know, you, you come into uh, a factory, you're the overseer of making sure that the factory is safe. You got your checklist, right? Let's check the boxes. Eric Kendricks, he's having the best season of his life right now, and he's hurt. You really want to rush him back to play in a Chicago Bears game where it just absolutely means nothing when you're locked into the sixth seed? Check. Benefits the Vikings to get another week of rest for Eric Kendricks. Next one, Dalvin Cook. Did you see how this offense looked without him? Did you see Kirk Cousins look around for checkdowns, couldn't find Dalvin Cook? Did you see teams just pin their ears back and say, we don't got to respect Alex Boone, we're going to go right at Cousins? Did you see how different that offense looked without him? Yeah, Vikings have zero chance if that guy's not in the lineup on wildcard weekend. Check. Third one, Adam Thielen. Now, Adam Thielen, granted, it was a tough catch, but we Viking fans have become accustomed to Adam Thielen making plays. And that opportunity that he had in that Monday night game against the Packers, he makes that catch 9 out of 10 times. Up the sideline, kind of had to dive for it a little bit on his knees. It went right, hit his chest, and out of of reach. Adam Thielen's not healthy. And I think it doesn't take a doctor to see that. Another check. Alexander Madison, right? He was a more than capable run, uh, backup running back. I think he'd start on a couple of teams. He is part of this process, this continuity, the winning this year. Because when Cook comes out, hey, we can bring in Madison. We're just going to pound you again. We're going to wear teams out. And that's where the Vikings found success. They pounded Dalvin Cook for 20 times, and then they pounded... Alexander Madsen, five to ten times. He's not healthy. Rest him. And how about this? Who's on the other side of that defense for the Chicago Bears? Oh, yeah, Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, and it seems like he's been quiet this year. But, oh, boy, when he plays the Vikings, it's like Andrew Wiggins against OKC. If Khalil Mack played against the Vikings every week, my God, he'd be better than Lawrence Taylor. Khalil Mack dominates the Vikings in three games against the Vikes, two sacks, one forced fumble, two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. He dominates the Vikings, and the way that offensive line played against Monday on Monday night against the Packers, why would you ever roll those dudes out there to play Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks, and that Bears defense, which is still pretty damn good? There are so many red flags to starting your starters on Sunday. Eric Kendricks. 
Need to have him on the defensive side. Dalvin Cook, without him, he is the straw that stirs the Vikings drink. Without Dalvin Cook, you might as well pack it up and head to golfing. Adam Thielen, big part of the offense, not healthy. Alexander Madison, huge part of the offense, not healthy. Khalil Mack, other side of the ball. Don't be foolish here. Because if Khalil Mack gets a good lick on Kirk Cousins, you can kiss away any type of hope that you have maybe upset in, in wildcard weekend. And he is the type. Khalil Mack is a game record. He's a game changer. We know this very well. And Kirk Cousins really struggles against the Bears. For some reason, I don't know what it is, but it seems like every time the Vikings play the Bears, Kirk Cousins is rattled. He looks petrified. He looks uncomfortable. He never seems like he can get his adrenaline down. I don't know if it's the way the Bears rush him. I don't know if it's Khalil Mack coming off the edge. But it always seems like Cousins can really show a bad side of Kirk Cousins when they play against the Bears. There is zero reason for this team, this Vikings team, Zimmer, to start their starters. You have to treat this like a bye week. You have to. You got to get two weeks of rest here. Gear up for Seattle. Gear up for New Orleans. Gear up for Green Bay. Wherever you may be playing on Saturday or Sunday on Wild Card Weekend, you get everyone to lick their wounds and have them ready to go 100%. Because if we, listen, there's been years where I think there's been clear-cut favorites. I don't think there's one this year. I don't even think Baltimore's one of them. You look at the NFC. You've got Seattle, you've got San Francisco, you've got Green Bay, you've got Philly or Dallas, and you've got a New Orleans Saints team. It is up for grabs. And how about this? Treating this like a bye week is the best case scenario because what happened when the Vikings came off a bye week this year? How many points did they put up and who did they play? They played Seattle. They put up 30 points in Seattle. Right? Weigh out the options. Should the Vikings... Play their starters? Should they rest them? Come on now. Nothing would make me more angry than if the Vikings had to go to Seattle, if they had to go to New Orleans, if they had to go to Green Bay, and we look back at this season, which uh, it's annoying because the Vikings lose one game on Monday night and everyone jumps ship. Oh, Cousins is terrible. This, that. Vikings are. Guys, it's one game. (laughs) It's one game. Every team is due for a stinker. Every team has stinkers. Okay, they have a couple. Houston's had theirs. Green Bay's had theirs. Green Bay lost to the LA Chargers by double digits. Okay? The Vikings lost to Chicago 16-6. They lost a bad one to the Chiefs against Matt Moore. And they lost a bad one to the Packers at home. It happens, guys. It happens. New Orleans, they lost to Atlanta. New England, they got their doors blown off by Baltimore. It is a regular occurrence in the NFL. Maybe not consistently for teams, but it happens. And I just can't stand the people that are already jumping ship off the Minnesota Vikings. They're 10-5, and okay? Yes. Have they struggled at times against the better teams? Yes. But they're 10-5. and Playoffs are not an easy commodity to make now, except if you're in the NFC East. This is a boat-loaded, boat-loaded NFC this year. And the Vikings are sneaking in, whether you like that or not. But don't jump ship. Don't give me, oh, Vikings have no chance, because you know that's not true. And you know I'm the most pessimistic Viking fan out here, but it's not true. 
I liked what I've seen from the Vikings all year. I think when you get a healthy Dalvin Cook in there, you get a good performance from the offensive line, and the defense is playing a lot better. Who knows? You're playing with house money, right? You're the sixth seed. But don't jump ship right now because you lost your best player in that Monday night game. Do not tell me that that's going to be the same team you're going to see in that wild card weekend because I know for a fact it's not. Zimmer's going to have them ready. Zimmer's going to have a good game plan. It's just about the players going out and executing and making winning plays. Vikings did not make winning plays on Monday. They turned over the Packers three times and they scored 10 points off them. Unacceptable. You're up one at halftime. Unacceptable. It happens. Okay? It happens. Vikings didn't make enough winning plays, and they lost. And to be honest with you, the Packers didn't even look that good anyway. They really didn't. Aaron Rodgers does not. I don't fear Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones had a great game, but that's not the same Packer team with Aaron Rodgers. Let's shift to this. Kirk Shiraka out at Minnesota, the offensive coordinator this year, who did a phenomenal job with this team and is a huge part of the growth and progression of this program. He completely altered the offense. He made a guy in Tanner Morgan, who a lot of people didn't know what you're going to get from him after Alex, uh, Zach Anikstead went down, made him into a top-tier quarterback in the country, obviously had career years with the wide receivers. So Kirk Soraka is out. He is going to Penn State. To me, this is another sign that this program is headed in the right direction. Nick Saban has to deal with this every single year. Kirby Smart, Georgia, he had he left. He had a successful tenure in, in Alabama, and other programs want him. Jeremy Pruitt, off to Tennessee, was under Saban. Lane Kiffin was under Saban. These great coaches develop these offensive coordinators and these defensive coordinators. These other programs around the country want those guys to be the head guys. So you know you're doing something well if you're P.J. Fleck. And this is, I know in a lot of people's eyes, yeah, it's, it's bad. Sharaka was unbelievable for this program. But I think you should take this as a compliment. I mean, when was the last time that a team like Penn State was running to the phone to go get a guy from Minnesota? I mean, come on. We're, we're moving up in the world. I mean, I gave you the Titanic analogy about Jack finally getting on the ship and he gets to the first class dinner. He doesn't know what to wear. We're starting to feel a little more comfortable. We got invited back to the dinner. Okay, we might have another tuxedo, another bow, another time, right? We're starting to feel a little acclimated towards it. That's how you should feel right now. It's a huge compliment that a guy in the Gopher program isn't going to some Middle Tennessee State team to be a head coach. This is a guy that's going to Penn State, who finished top 10 in the country, who's a perennial college football playoff team. And he's going to offensive coordinate at a big-time school. So just to give you some background here, this is kind of a love relationship that's going to come to an end. Fleck and Soraka were together since 2010. They met at Rutgers, right? Um, went to Western Michigan together. He's been the right-hand man for him for a while. Leaving for Penn State. Coach Tanner Morgan, some of the, I mean, just a record-setting year for Morgan, 10-2, first 10-win regular season since 1905, first seven-win conference season in program history. His offense was the third-highest scoring in Gopher history. They accumulated the second-most passing yards 
with Tanner Morgan surpassing the marks for passing yards and touchdown passes. Once again, this offense went from vanilla to explosive to fun to electric to dynamic. They had playmakers. They had the right system. They had the right quarterback in there. They put a plethora of running backs at the helm. The offense boasted two 1,000-yard wide receivers in Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson, as well as one 1,000-yard rusher in Rodney Smith. And all the starters return next year, minus Tyler Johnson and Rodney Smith. So we'll see how the Gophers respond here. They still got their playmakers. I'm assuming they'll stick to the same system. It is a little odd that he's going, Kirk Soraka is going to... A Big Ten team, sometimes you see these other coaches leave the conference at least. This is a guy that probably going to see down the road. Obviously an offensive coordinator, so he doesn't dictate what they do defensively. But you have to wonder if P.J. Flex going to have to change some sort of the scheme because I guarantee James Franklin's going to be picking his brain about what the Golden Gophers did after the Gophers beat at Penn State this year. Back-to-back undefeated weeks this week for the Strom Sports Show pick. Strom Saturday selection, Strom Sunday selections. I'm on fire right now. It has been an up-and-down game here, to say the least. But I'll tell you one thing, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Last week, I made a sweet parlay. I had the Jets plus three, they won outright. I had the Cardinals covering 10, they won outright. And then I had the under in the Colts-Panthers game, which barely hit. So it's been an awesome, awesome run here for the last month. Let's keep this thing going. Let's end it the right way. Let's start off in New England. New England is minus 16. Okay, let me tell you something. Miami has really played hard. I mean, they really do. Brian Flores has done a great job with what he's been dealt with. 4-11 with that roster? Guy should be built a statue of Miami at the Clevelander. Miami is tough, man. I'm telling you, they are going to play New England tough. New England is offensively inept. 16 points is way too much. Does Miami win this game? No, but I'm going to take Miami plus 16 on the road. Ryan Fitzpatrick, give me some magic, buddy. Dolphins plus 16. Next one for you. Look, it has been a rocky, rocky season for the Dallas Cowboys. They are favored by 11 points at home. Again, give me the road dog. Washington plus 11. If Haskins was in this game, I would lean towards the Cowboys and the points. But I like what Washington has also done this year. 3-12, but they're grooming their future quarterback in Dwayne Haskins. Case Keenum is going to lead this team on Sunday. I think he's going to keep them in the game. Who knows, man? I know that the, uh, the Giants want to play spoiler, but can Washington beat the lowly Cowboys right now? Because they are very lowly. Very, very lowly. 11 points is way too much with the way that this Dallas Cowboy team is playing. Give me Washington plus 11 on the road. Last one for you. Give me Seattle at home. Plus three against San Francisco. This is for the title. This is for the NFC West. Give me the experienced quarterback, the experienced coach. Sunday night, it all comes down to this. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. You know that Seattle weather. Let's see what Marshawn Lynch can do. Can he provide a spark for the Seahawks team? Give me Seattle plus three. I think they win outright. I think they win this NFC West with the win here. 
give me the Seahawks plus three. In review, Seahawks plus three. We've got the Washington Redskins plus 11 and the Miami Dolphins plus 16. Before we say goodbye here, I just wanted to thank everyone for listening. We've put up awesome numbers for the Strom Sports Show. We're going to come down to the new year of 2020. I will post all of the statistics of the show. You guys, really, I could not do this without you guys. You guys really motivate me. And I love doing this. And I love the company. I love Talk North. I love Jim Suhan. I love Brandon Morton, Michael Russo. It's a great, great platform, a great network to work on. And you fans have been awesome. I've made a great boat of followers and following of the show. It's been awesome. I hope we can keep this thing up. And as always, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, TalkNorth.com. You want to advertise with us, Jim Suen is a guy. Everybody have a great, happy, and safe new year, and I will talk to you guys next Sunday.